your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. All right, welcome to a Thursday of Lacrosse Talk PM 608. The guy just said it. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. If you want to get in here, Adam Murphy loves when you call because we can talk about stuff. He's he's pretty open to that. Adam Murphy is my yep. what I like to call my political blowhard. He's also the owner of a small, small-ish. I don't know how big, if it's called Big Bang LLC, is it a small business? Maybe it should be Little Bang LLC. That, that's that's fair. Yeah, we're, we're, we're small. We own a couple million in business a year. We're, we're relatively small. Um, and then uh, you have what I I enjoy is uh, when you ran, you're, you're, you're my failed Senate candidate, so I like to bring pick on you. I don't know how long I'll do that. Maybe you'll maybe well, you'll run and lose something else. <laughs> then we can change it up. Well, I'll I'll throw out the the most recent um, uh, name that got thrown at me or, or term that got used for me. This was somebody on Twitter who uh, put me into one of their their lists on Twitter of genocidal psychopaths. So oh. you know, I think that's an upgrade. Genocidal psycho. So yeah, be, because I I believe that the vaccine for COVID doesn't kill millions of people. Um, okay. And that it actually has, you know, saved millions of people. And so this person decided that because I believe in the vaccine, that I was a genocidal psychopath. So okay, I'm not going to add that. I'm not going to add that to my list because. Uh, <laughs> but uh, if I have this right, and it's it's midterm, I think your finals are coming up now. I don't know. Uh, you have you have degrees in economics and political science, and then you're working on your masters, or maybe you're getting your masters here pretty quick from UW Milwaukee. Yep, yep. I, uh, we just finished up the last of the projects uh, this past week, right before Christmas. Uh, so I've got a couple weeks off, and then my next round of, of classes kick in uh, at the end of January. So still going and still learning a ton and always excited to, you know, it's always fun to, to learn and then to share. Group projects? Are you doing group projects? Uh, no, no, okay. <laughs> um, uh, you know, in economics, it's it's all uh, you know, hardcore number crunching and and data analysis and coding. And I spend way too much time on the computer. Is really what it comes down to. All right, six zero eight seven eight five seven nine one four. We're just gonna we're gonna kind of talk about obviously politics and and maybe your 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 electric vehicle that you own and. <laughs> Um, I had Senator Brad Paff, you, uh, not U.S., uh, State Senator Brad Paff in here. We were talking budget surplus, so that's uh, on the list. Uh, nationally versus statewide, inflation is on the list. Uh, did, um, Adam, did you know Minnesota has a $17.6 billion projected budget surplus? Wow. No, I haven't. Uh, you know, we've <laughs> talked about the, the $6 billion one for, for Wisconsin, and I think California's was somewhere in the 30 or $40 billion. Um, it's, uh, you know, we, uh, the, it's the funny part about all the complaining that was done by the GOP over the last election cycle about the economy. The U.S. economy is been, oh, has been overheated. It has been doing too well. Um, and part of that was, you know, whether it was tax cuts, whether it was COVID uh, and the, um, uh, the stimulus associated with it. But Part of the reason, the reason that Wisconsin has the $6 billion, uh, and that's over two years, so it's over the two-year budget cycle, but the $6 billion forecast um, uh, surplus, uh, almost half of it, or more than half of it, is from an increase in the amount of revenue that the state has received in taxes from corporations, which means that corporate profits are at record levels. 
Um, and the rest of it is almost all from sales tax, which means that purchasing is at record levels, which is why corporate profits are at record levels, which is why state revenue is at record levels. So, the economy has actually been doing too well. The I, I don't know if it's a I don't know if this is a Republican tagline or just in general, but is the tagline that the government is taxing its citizens too much and that's why we have the six point six billion dollar budget surplus? I mean, I feel like that's what it is, but then when you when you look at it, it's well, we're not taxing any differently. No, so no, we didn't change what we're doing. And when you look at, and, and I think this is really important for listeners to understand, when you look at the state, uh, so for Wisconsin, the, the state revenue collection, personal income tax uh, has only gone up by uh, it's like three hundred million dollars. So out of that six billion, like three hundred million is is personal income tax. And of course, wages have gone up, right? We've seen that all over the place. That's part of the problem with uh, the, the issue of, of not having enough employees, if you will. So wages are going up. So it's a really small increase, whereas we've seen a, I think it's $1.6 or $1.9 billion increase in the amount of tax revenue from corporations, which means they are making astronomically more profit. Um, it's not on the individuals and it's not taxing our personal income. Now, we can make an argument that should we lower taxes? Okay, there's maybe an argument for it, but this is a windfall. This is, this is you know, uh, your aunt that you never knew passed away and left you a million dollars. Yeah. It's not something that's going to be there every year. And so that question of what do we do with it is, is really important. And my argument is you do it on things like infrastructure, right? Things that are going to benefit us long-term that are very expensive to do. Um, uh, you know, obviously it could go towards education and things like that, which all well, generate more revenue. Let me bring this up. The UW Lacrosse is trying to build the second half of its science center, its Prairie Spring yeah. Science Center, um, which is, you know, tens of millions of dollars. I don't have a number off the top of my head, but that are you saying something like that? Hey, finish this project that's been on the books for six years. Finish the UWL Absolutely. Science Center with this windfall. Absolutely, because those are projects that are... A, they're very expensive, like you said, but they're also long-term benefits. They're investments, uh, which means that they're going to continue to pay. And so whether that's dealing with, you know, roads, whether that's dealing with education, whether it's dealing with infrastructure associated with, you know, yeah, the university, um, those are all great opportunities to invest. And that's the way that, that I look at this, because then that keeps that revenue growing, ideally, which is beneficial for us all, and that's then when we can start to reduce taxes. And that's when... Uh, you know, reducing taxes makes most sense when there's a crisis. Uh, that's why I've said the 2017 tax cut that they put into play, the GOP put into play, was dumb because there wasn't a crisis at the time. The economy was doing really well. Things were growing, right? We were coming out of the 2008-2010 recession, and things were expanding and growing already. That tax cut, one of the problems that it generated is it created a artificial uh, bump in the economy which was then why unemployment was dropped down to 3.2% right before COVID, which is arguably too low, right? And it's the same scenario that we're in kind of right now, where unemployment is maybe a little bit too low, which means that it's hard to get people to come work for you, which means wages have to go up and, you know, the whole cycle. Okay, um, but explain this to me. If unemployment, yeah. we, we want low unemployment, but it's too low for who? It's too low for job creators because then they have to increase wages, but w increasing wages sounds good to me. <laughs> But then does that it, just create prices going up? Is that what you're – I don't know. It's like a big circle. It is It is a big circle, and there is a balance in there. And one of the things that we look at is, 
if you go from like 1979, right, so right before the Reagan era, to 2019, so those, those 40 years, we had almost zero wage growth when you take inflation into consideration. So the average person, right, the, the median wage for the average person living in La Crosse over 40 years went up by 6%, which is absolutely not 6% a year, 6% over 40 years. So we absolutely need wage growth. And one of the things that impacted that was unions being decimated, uh, you know, later on, things like um, uh, Act 10 here in Wisconsin, right? So wage growth is good. And wage growth does create a little bit of inflation. But if you think about it, if, uh, even if we talk about, uh, you know, McDonald's or your local Menards or whatever, the, the places that we think that pay the least, when, if wages went up from $10 an hour to $15 an hour, you're like, oh, holy cow, that's, you know, a 50% increase, that's going to, you know, kill inflation or increase inflation. Except that most of the cost associated with that Menards is not in wages, right? It's in products. Um, so wages are generally a very small portion. Like with a McDonald's, wages make up about 20 to 25% of the total expenditures. So if, even if they were increased by 30%, that's a really small portion relative to food and taxes and, you know, the building and the lease and insurance and everything else. But it makes a huge impact potentially economically for those people who always spend all of their income, which is generally what you have at those lowest levels. They're always spending all their money. So if they go from 10 bucks an hour to $15 an hour, well, guess what? They're still going to spend all of their money, and that's good for the rest of the economy. So the economic growth outweighs uh, the size of, of uh, impact on, on inflation. But when we get too low, now you have the scenario, and, and 4% is kind of that, that magic-ish number, because people are moving, people are changing jobs, people are retiring, people have health issues, um, you know, their spouse has health issues, they have kids, so they leave the workforce, whatever it might be. So we need... The, that 4% or so of unemployment is kind of the, the grease in, in, in the wheels uh, to make things go. When we're too low, it's, it's, we don't have quite enough, uh, you know, there's too much friction. We don't have, a, and actually it's one of the terms that gets used, but we, we just don't have enough people going around to do all the changes that we need to have happen because businesses are going to close, new ones are going to open, right? So we need some bodies out there to be able to move and change and, and grow. And right now, Wisconsin's at like 3.1% or 3.2%, I think, nationally, we're at about 3.7%. So it's come up a little bit. Um, so it sounds funny to say we need more unemployment, but there's a natural amount of unemployment that we need to, to grease the wheels. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. Adam Murphy's going to sit here with us for the hour. Uh, the owner of Big Bang LLC is an economics. I, I will call him an economics and political science expert um, in my political blowhard. We'll be back. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line if you want to get in here. Adam Murphy, my political pundit, I'll be nice this time, is in is on the phone with me. He's, he's going to spend the hour with us. If you, you know, if you want to talk national politics, uh statewide politics, we could do that. 608-785-7914. Adam, I did have a texter uh who's on the, I didn't I didn't name him here, but he's called Big John on the text line. Um, right. and, and this kind of coincides with a story I saw online in terms of Donald Trump. He, he asked, are we really going to vote for Trump again? Question. Uh, I, I don't know why I said question. <laughs> um, I want a different choice. How about the Florida governor? 
Um, it sounds like, I don't know, it sounds like, uh, and, and there's a story today that says Voss is going to work to make sure Trump is not the 2024 nominee. Um, well, that's pretty obvious, even though he was sitting on in Trump's private jet maybe a year ago uh, taking selfies. Um, yeah, do we, to me, the Florida governor just seems like Donald Trump light, even though they're both, I think they both probably weigh the same. Um, <laughs> do we need, how many, I guess, you know, what, what are your thoughts, I guess? Go ahead. So, so I'll say this, right? I ran as a Democrat for U.S. Senate. I voted for John McCain back in the day. Um, so I've, I've played a little bit of, of both sides. So when, when I did, when I studied political science just recently, one of the things that we looked at was, was uh, the 2016 election for Trump. And one of the pieces of, of information of data that was just super fascinating was there were 16, 17 different candidates in, in the Republican primary, if, if you guys remember. Yeah. And nobody expected Donald Trump to win. Right, because you had uh, you know Cruz in there, you had Scott Walker in there for a hot minute, um, you know, it, it, and what the hell? It's Donald Trump, right? But he was so outrageous that the the media coverage of him by not just Fox News, right, but uh, but by all news uh, organizations, about fifty percent of the free media that was talking about the political Republican political candidates, half of it was talking about Donald Trump because he was so outrageous. Well, you say outrageous. And, I will say he, he dumbed down the conversation to calling people names, which we thought was yeah. funny. And then uh, he, had, he had those phrases that Republicans are way better at than Demo- Democrats, uh, like drain the swamp, even though he literally said at one point, I hated the phrase drain the swamp. I thought it was stupid, but then you guys, I didn't, he didn't say fell for it, but you guys loved it. So I just kept using it, even though he thought it was stupid, but drain the swamp. Like he just says right. key, key words, key phrases, dumb down the politics, dumb down the conversation to where you and I, well, maybe not you, but where I can relate, even though it doesn't get into any of the minutia of, hey, what are you actually going to do as president? Right. And, you know, build the wall and Mexicans are rapists. And, you know, everything else that he said. And it was just, uh, not only was it dumbed down, it was, most of it was, was just, you know, lies and, and BS, but, but it was things that politicians don't say. And that's what, what appealed for a lot of people about Donald Trump, right? He says what he thinks. Well, he doesn't think, first of all. He just says. But 50% of the free media coverage was on Donald Trump out of 16 or 17 candidates. All right, Joe on the text line says, you're wrong. The media did not persuade us to vote for Donald Trump. Donald no. Trump yep. exposing our corrupt government persuaded us to vote for him. So he's, his, his, uh, he, he exposed the corrupt government. Well, I uh, okay, and, and, and I'll disagree. I don't think the government's particularly corrupt. That's just a really easy statement to, to throw out there. But, and I'm not saying they, he, that, that the media forced you or coerced you. What I'm saying is is that he was perpetually in the media. Right. When when and, uh, when I have my show and it's uh, a month or two before the election, you know what runs in between me talking? A lot of political ads. And that's paid political ads, right? They're paying to get their message out there. And what you're saying is the media is, is basically running political ads for Donald Trump for free. They're using exactly. whatever he says as a news story to get his message out there, and it's all free for him because it's just free, you know, free coverage. 
Absolutely. And so it was a huge, huge impact. So now we look at 2020, and obviously he lost, um, in part because of how outrageous he was, right? Um, although he got more votes than any other previous president before him, right? He's 74 million votes. Um, obviously, Biden got 81 million. Uh, so his very presence brought out literally 15, 16, 17 million more voters than for and against than had ever voted before. So he's incredibly polarizing. He's and the media feeds on that. And it doesn't matter, again, which side of the media that we're talking about. So for, for this next election, because obviously he's announced so far, it has been generally considered to be a failure. Right. His his announcement, going back to your, your texter's question or your caller's question about, will Donald Trump be the one that we have to vote for in, in the next mm-hmm. election? Uh, the honest answer to that is, is good God, I don't know. I, 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 I hope not. Um, but he is still an incredibly powerful force. And when you look at, uh, you know, the question becomes, will the Republican Party stand up to, to Donald Trump? So far... They talk a good game, right? You just talked about Voss saying he's going to do what he can. Um, but look back to January 6th. Mitch McConnell point blank said, this is on Donald Trump. This is his, right? This is on him. And within a couple of months, Mitch McConnell said, you know what? If Donald Trump is the nominee, I'll support him. <laughs> yeah. Because at the end of the day, and, and this is for your conservative voters that are listening, at the end of the day, that is all the current GOP cares about is their own power. They don't care about you. They don't care about the farmers, right? There was just an ad that was playing or the news that was playing where it was Kevin McCarthy talking to the farmers in, in lacrosse. Um, no, it had absolutely nothing to do with Democratic policies. That was just a blatant lie. Um, what has affected farmers in Wisconsin has been things like the tariffs that Donald Trump put into place on steel and aluminum, which increased the costs of everything that dairy farmers need. And then we had Mexico and Canada put tariffs back on us in retaliation on dairy products, cheese and on dairy products, which decreased the, the demand for, for dairy. That's what has killed in, in the two years after that, it killed, uh, I think it was close to 2,000 Wisconsin dairy farms. It doesn't have anything to do with inflation and, with, and democratic policies. It has everything to do, quite frankly, with GOP policies. Well, you talk about and that's the lie they're telling you. You talk about Mitch McConnell saying one thing and then a couple of days later or weeks later saying the complete yep. opposite. I'm going to support Donald Trump if he's the nominee because, yep. you know, Republican. Um, well, we have this right now going on in the U.S. House of Representatives, and it would be interesting mm-hmm. if uh, if this was, you know, a little bit more local. It's kind of out there, but it's such a ridiculous story. We talked about it a little bit last week, Friday. Um, George Santos is a U.S. House rep, so he's the Ron Kind or the Derek Van Orden of a district in New York. And he's lied about just about everything uh, imaginable from his mom dying. He's, uh, there's two tweets out there where his mom died at two different time, two different points in time, like years apart. Um, he's lied about whether he his heritage. He's lied about just any. I think if you his could education, <laughs> his job history, yeah. where he, he literally everything about him is made up. Yeah. So so the you know, and I, I talked with uh, Chergosky, our political science professor here in town. You know, is there because he was voted in to me? I was like, do you have to do you have to recall him? Do the voters have to do this or can the no. House just go? No, you're done. Instead of, you know, making him resign is one thing, but can he just be kicked out? I wasn't so sure. But when you talk about, you know, like we were talking about this a little bit before the show, when you talk about 
the power we we need the the house is so close democrat and republican the swing in the house is so close that republicans don't want to lose that swing so he's probably just going to remain right right the there is first of all there is no ability for us citizens to recall uh, a us house or us senator so we have as citizens as voters we have no control no ability to do anything except during actual elections which is stunning given uh, right in in this reality, uh, but we never expected the, the founding fathers never expected this level of, of idiocy. Because I mean, and there's no other word for it. How stupid are you that you think that you can lie about your education and your job history in today's world? Right? This is not the 1900s. We can Google you, um, but so we don't have any recourse. So the citizens of New York, in this case, don't have any recourse. The House does have a law in the books where, um, or Congress, where they can kick somebody out. And similar to impeachment, it requires, I think, two-thirds uh, to, vote, uh, to vote somebody out. Um, but there's little likelihood that the GOP will do that uh, because their, their lead is so narrow. And Santos has already said that he will support and vote for Kevin McCarthy for House, so Kevin, or for the Speaker of the House. So Kevin McCarthy uh, is certainly not going to do anything against him. And so, I, again, I ask your, your conservative listeners, when you look at uh, Minnesota Next Door with Al Franken, right, as a comedian, he made a mime, a gesture that was caught on, on film. He didn't actually touch anybody, he didn't do anything, and he... Uh, he, he was under enough pressure from the Democrats to, to leave. This guy has literally lied about absolutely everything about himself. Except his name. I, his name is, right. when you say literally, you don't quite mean literally, but uh, just it's pretty close. We know, we're pretty sure pretty his close. name is George Santos. <laughs> yeah. And so, okay, virtually everything about yeah. himself. Um, and I apologize. I hate it when literally gets used literally, uh, and it's figuratively. Um, and he's probably going to get sat. Uh, as as a member of of the House, uh, and, you know, a member of Congress, and it would be different. It would be different if uh, let's just say it was let's just say it was Mark Pocan in Madison, and it was Democrats, or I, I can't uh, Tom Tiffany in in the Wausau district in Wisconsin. If Tom Tiffany had lied about everything, the the Republicans might be more apt to kick him out because Tom Tiffany's district is very safe Republican. It's a gerrymandered right. district. Republicans would never lose it. George Santos district in New York, I think it's near around the city of New York, um, that's a swing district. So that's more like Derek Van Orden's district here in the 3rd Congressional in Wisconsin. It's a swing district. If, if there was a special election to replace him, if they kicked him out, Democrats might retake that, especially with the news that this Republican lied about just about everything to get elected. Yeah. Absolutely. It's um, so they will. My my guess would be that they will not do anything. Worst case scenario, he might not get some, you know, some assignments on some of the committees or something along those lines. But he he will undoubtedly be sap uh, is is my take on it, which I think is is tragic because it's just it, it's a it's it's immoral. It's, uh, you know, unethical. Uh, pick a word. It's it's terrible. <laughs> 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. I don't know why I said that so fast, but we got to take a news break. We'll be back with Adam Murphy after this. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. Adam Murphy's sitting in, well, no, he's not sitting in studio with me. 
he wouldn't be able to get here because he drives an EV, and it's uh, it's probably like 300 miles for you, Adam. So you wouldn't make it. You'd have to I've, stop. I have my Jeep too. I can I can have in the Jeep. No <laughs> You'd have to stop along the way. Uh, we, we spent the whole break talking about his Machi dilemmas, uh, and maybe we'll get into that in a minute. But I I want to just continue. We, I don't talk about Trump hardly at all on the show, but but you know you bring him up, and and this is what happens. And this is what kind of what you're alluding to is the free coverage that Donald Trump grants. You bring Donald Trump up, and all of a sudden, I got a bunch of texts. Um, yeah. So let's see here. Joe is now. Oh man, Joe. Okay, Joe's sent me about seven texts since that. Since your um, Donald Trump's uh, people voted for Donald Trump because the media covered him a lot. Um, I'll just read the bottom one because it's just the funniest. You and your well, I didn't read the rest. That's why you and your little friend. So you're my little friend, Adam. <laughs> Uh, Still have no idea why America voted for Donald Trump as president. Just like Rush Limbaugh said to this day, you still have no idea. Um, Okay, that's fine. He's also making jokes about um, Elizabeth Warren in a way that I'm not going to read. I think that's a joke about Elizabeth Warren. Um, And then somebody else said, you seriously cannot tell me that the Democratic Party does not have the same goal as the Republican Party has to gain or retain control. So we're talking about the, the, the U.S. House member that lied about just about everything to get elected in New York. And now is it is it a matter of kicking him out of House and having a special election? Republicans won't do it because they want to. They, there's a there's a fine, a razor thin edge of, of majority control in the U.S. House of Representatives. And what we what you alluded to is Democrats have done this. We have kicked. We have forced yep. members of the Senate to resign right here in Minnesota. Al Franken was caught making a gesture of grabbing a woman's chest area, a gesture on a flight that it was leaked out at some point, and uh, D- Democrats forced him to resign because of a photo. Uh, Al-, Al Franken, who used to be on Saturday Night Live, not a, not a dumb person. I think he's Harvard-educated, and he's a smart guy. But uh, at this point, he was trying to do, maybe he was living in the Saturday Night Live light and uh, did something stupid on a plane, immature, whatever you want to call it. Uh, it was probably, I don't know. Um, and, and he resigned. So Democrats have done this, and I, I'm sure there are other examples, but that one's right here. It's pretty local. It's right next door here in Minnesota. Yep, yep. And, and we've seen this repeatedly. Donald Trump lied 30,000 times. He continues to lie, right? <laughs> uh, the 2020 election. Every day he is putting out additional uh, ongoing perpetual lies, and those sorts of things that are being picked up, right? The Arizona, uh, Carrie Lake, the, uh, the Arizona gubernatorial uh, candidate that lost, who is, is also claiming massive election fraud, despite the fact that there is none, to the point where uh, she and her attorneys have been sanctioned and forced to, to pay the bills associated with the blatant, fraudulent lies that they are bringing to the courts. Uh, That's uh, the GOP, I'll, I'll go and back. I'm not saying conservative voters. I'll go back to Joe's. I really I'll go back to Joe's. Good uh, Joe's text. I'm reading some of his texts. So I'm not listening. No, I'm listening. Uh, he said the Republican res- representative from New York, so George Santos, in the line scandal is obviously a Democrat plant. Good job, Democrats, wasting everybody's time and money. So George Santos, the Republican who won a U.S. House seat in New York and lied about everything to get that seat, is actually a Democrat. That's that's where Joe is at. Okay, well, I, um, so conspiracy theories are great fun, and yep. there's this wonderful concept uh, um, 
uh, of of the the simplest answer is normally the right solution. Right, it's called Occam's razor. We deal with it in science and in, in math and, and political science in particular. But the the simplest solution is normally the answer. The idea of the Democrats deliberately planting somebody on the Republican side to make him lie about everything and then to help him actually win, only to expose him, except that he's not going to get kicked out. Yeah, that's. Or the simple answer is he's just a pathetic liar and he's a Republican. I mean, the the, the amount of coordination that the Democrats often have right. with these conspiracy theories is is uncanny because, A, Democrats are are worthless, useless, not smart, and can't do anything, uh, you know, coordinated. And also, Democrats are the masterminds behind everything and, you know— uh, got got Joe Biden elected, but didn't give give themselves the majority in the House of Representatives. Something. Well, and and, and it would have cost right for for all the, the accusations about you know, the election fraud, for instance, across the country. Literally, it would have cost tens of billions of dollars to bribe tens of thousands of conservatives. And none of them spoke up. All of them agreed to it. Not one turned down the money, right? Not one said, you know, came out on the news and said, oh, I was approached, you know, and offered $10,000 or $100,000 to hack these machines. Nobody came out and said that. And in the most cases, these are in in red-leaning or, or, you know, what they would think would be red-leaning areas. And so, or we could have just had, you know, better candidates. Um, you know, the, the again, Occam's razor. There's a simple answer that's normally correct, or there's a really, really complicated answer that is utterly preposterous. And, and that's kind of the case with the, that accusation, along with all the election fraud stuff. I, um, it just doesn't happen. I don't know if you've ever had to... I, I have a call. Eric from Sparta is calling in. I don't know if you've talked to Eric from before. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay, so you already know. Eric, go ahead. You're on with Adam. Are you aware the number three died, Rick? Thank you. Okay, so... Um, thanks, Eric. Uh, 608-785-7914. Um, when, when we talk about, when we talk about, uh, re- maintaining power and, and we're just talking about a U.S. house rep in New York and it's kind of out there, but you can, we can kind of relate cause you know, it's not like our, our U.S. house rep in the third congressional district is not without controversy, but let's go, let's go to the Wisconsin DNR policy board. Let's just talk about this. I talked about this right. a little bit Monday, uh, story out Great today. Example. Story out today. So the governor, Scott Walker, appointed DNR policy board member whose six-year term ended last May. So last year, May 20 of 21, May of 2021, I should say. He didn't leave his post despite Tony Evers appointing his replacement. And then the Senate didn't confirm that replacement because that would have swung the DNR policy board to uh, Democratic leaning. I guess Democratic appointed leading because the policy board is apparently political. Um, so his name is Fred Breen. He cost Wisconsin taxpayers seventy six thousand dollars to uh, in lawsuits to fight b- staying on the DNR policy board a, well over a year past his six year term. Yeah, almost <sighs> two years. Uh, and and the the Wisconsin Supreme Court, the the conservatives on the Wisconsin Supreme Court, voted with him uh, to uh, by saying basically. He only can. He only has to leave when his replacement has been approved by the Senate, even though there was an established time frame for him to be on. And this is not the only one to do it. There are currently 150 open seats um, uh, as part of Wisconsin's um, 
uh, executive branch, right? Uh, so, so departments and divisions all across the state. There are 150 that the Wisconsin GOP has refused to have hearings on, to even consider putting one of Tony Evers' uh, appointees in position. So that is 150 people that they're just like, nope, we're not going to do our job, and we are going to stop you from doing anything. That's not cooperative government. That's not democracy. That's not ethical. That's not moral. Yeah, and, and, I, the GOP. I, and I had Senator Paff on here yesterday, and I asked him about this because the state legislature has been off since March, so we're we're yeah, honing right. in on a ten their ten month quote what I call a, a vacation. Uh, they they are there are committee meetings and other things, that, and they they could hold town halls, I guess, but they're trying to get reelected, so they just give themselves ten months off. Next week, the state legislature, I believe, right right on like January second or third, right away, the, one of the first things they'll do is vote on a legislative calendar. And it'll be interesting to see if they give basically the entire year of 2024, they give themselves that time off, even though at any point in this 10 months, they could have reconvened. The Senate could have reconvened and go, hey, we have 150 appointees that we have to confirm of Governor Tony Evers. But they're not going to do that because they want they want to sabotage as much as they can so that their their Republican candidate possibly gets elected. But that won't happen now because we got four years. Yeah, and that's so. I, it goes to you know the the caller, the texter that had said you know the Democrats do the same thing. The honest truth is, no, they don't. Um, and we can look at that time and time and time again. The Republican, and this has been for about the last twelve to fourteen years, right? This really kind of kicked in when President Obama uh, was elected, uh, and it became a national theme amongst the GOP. And again, I'm not talking about conservative voters. I'm talking specifically about the the party itself and its willingness to stop government from functioning, and that's what they're doing, uh, and, and to refuse to allow the, the party that was legally and, uh, you know, illegally elected, <laughs> uh, that won the election, to minimize their ability to do anything at all, including running government. The only time that we've had government shut down at the federal level for the last several years was when the Republicans were in control. And the Republicans shut down the government, which cost taxpayers tens of billions of dollars. Folks, they cost you tens of billions of dollars because they're so arrogant that they shut down the government rather than try to, to negotiate with the other side. The Democrats don't do that. The good Democrats don't shut down the government. The Republicans do. The Democrats don't stop um, you know, appointees. The Republicans refuse to. And that has spread from the national level. Uh, like I said, setting under Obama, and it was really, uh, you know, Newt Gingrich was really kind of the one that started it, and, and Mitch McConnell has certainly taken up the mantle, right? He he didn't allow a, a U.S. Supreme Court justice to be nominated for a year. But when you when you that's say when you, you say Republicans are responsible for shutting down the government, that's their that's their mantra, right? Like, ah, look at us, we shut down the government. We're Republicans, we shut down the government, and to, that's the that's the dumb it down. Low, low thinking because generally i think most I, I would guess most people are like oh the government they charge me on taxes the 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 opinion of government in general is probably pretty negative and therefore if it republicans is. are the ones responsible for shutting down the government that's good thank you republicans i don't want the government running and uh, even though on the backside the part that you don't understand because this part isn't dumbed down it's costing tens of millions or ten would you say tens of billions of dollars billions tens billions of, of billions of dollars have been lost every time the GOP has shut down the U.S. government. All right, when we come uh, back, we'll talk about the billions of dollars that Adam Murphy has lost in his Maki. <laughs>
right, welcome back. We're going to wrap up here with Adam Murphy, my my political blowhard, uh, failed U.S. Senate candidate, uh, couldn't even beat Mandela Barnes, who couldn't beat Ron Johnson. So what's that say, Adam? Just <laughs> unbelievable. Um, yeah, we and we didn't even talk about the the uh, U.S. Senate. We'll have to do that next time you come on. But I do want to just right. I, I do and I I know Kent text me about Hunter Biden, but I don't have any more time. And I will just say when Joe says. Uh, George Santos, the the U.S. House member in New York that lied about everything to get elected, is a Democratic plant. He, you know, he does have he does have a point because George Santos does sound an awful like like George Soros. So he could be <laughs> onto something there. Uh, because over the break, Adam Adam and I just talking quick about some of the stuff he he. Uh, what would you say? That's a slip of the tongue there when you you refer yep. to him as George or as Soros. As I well. did. Uh, all right, I, I just have I have like two th- a couple minutes here. You have what is a Ford Mustang Machi, and I don't know if they've dropped the the term Mustang on it. Uh, and it's an electric vehicle. You've had it for I think you bought it new in twenty twenty one. Yep, yep. And uh, would you say it's a lemon, or would you say you're learning? <laughs> <laughs> I'm 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 learning. Um, yeah, it it froze on me in in the cold. Uh, died on us. Uh, the- the, the small 12 volt battery that's in it died, and uh, you know I was talking to the tech, and he's uh, it, it was interesting uh, at the the Ford dealership afterwards because he's he's learning about it too. Uh, they had to figure out how to get into the car uh, because everything's electronic, right? There's no door handle, there's nothing you can open. Um, so it was it was an interesting experience, and yep, I'm learning. And there's the reason I still own a Jeep with a regular engine to go along with my Mustang. So when the battery dies, okay, so first of all, your electric vehicles have the big battery that runs the car, but they also have the, the, the little battery that we all have in our cars, only this battery is a little bit littler because it doesn't actually have to start an engine. It just has to unlock the doors. But when that battery dies, and there are no, no, there's no door handles, so my if my car battery dies, I do have my key fob opens to a little key, and I can actually physically open my door. Um, but you don't have that option? Here's, here's what you have to do, and this is a ridiculous process. So there's a little panel on the front bumper that you push out, and there's two wires, a big red and a big white uh, uh, black wire, like you've got going yeah, to the battery. Positive negative. You have to hook, you got to hook 12 volt, uh, a full-size 12-volt battery up to those. That pops the frunk, so the, the hood, basically. Mm-hmm. Right? In there, then you've got to take two big panels off, and that allows you to get to the 12-volt battery, which you can then jump like a normal car battery, in order to provide enough power that you can press the button on the door to open the door. <laughs> yeah, it's not smooth, Ford. It's not smooth. <laughs> okay, so all, and the, the, the irony here is of you, you, your car died uh, while it was like negative 10 degrees out last week, and the, it died not because the giant battery died, but the tiny little, the tiny little battery yep. that just powers like your radio and whatnot uh, that yep. died. So you couldn't listen to Wisdom. Nope. <laughs> couldn't get nope, the internet. I said it, I said it <laughs> in my Jeep. With the heat on for a few hours next to it while I was waiting for the tow truck to come pick up my electric Mustang. I mean, is this a Watching. dilemma? I mean, I, I we, we could probably spend a whole hour and I only have a minute and a half here. Is this a dilemma in society where we can't go completely to EVs because we're always going to oh, need yeah. the Jeeps in the back garage uh, that we're going to have to drive every two weeks or those batteries will die as well? Everybody's going to still need an internal combustion somewhere to because in case of emergency, at least in the north. Or- Right, or some other, right, we're going to have to have something that's designed to, to warm the batteries or to charge the batteries, or Ford's going to have to realize that we need bigger batteries in there, right? But these are the things that we're going to have to, they, they just, 
we just don't know enough about it yet um, for the, the problems that are going to happen. We don't have 10 below often, right? At least not here. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that, uh, you know, uh, I am, I'm, I'm a huge proponent. Is it going to happen next year that everything's going electric? Of course not, no. right? But over the next 20, 30 years, are we going to figure these, these problems out? Of course we are. But uh, ICE vehicles die too, right? Cars within, uh, with normal combustion engines, those batteries died too. My car died too, and it's a, right. it's a Civic. It's just a regular old car. And, uh, right. yep, so that was, that was my fun. I'm going to try to get home for Christmas, and then my car battery <laughs> died. So literally had the same dilemma that you did, Adam. Um, yeah, anyway. Okay, well, I appreciate you coming on, Adam. Thanks so much. Always a pleasure. I appreciate it. Take care, guys. Have a great New Year. All right, we're gonna. right, that's going to wrap it up. Tomorrow on the show, UW-Lacrosse political science professor, Dr. Anthony Tregoski.